in the Pits is partnered with YI Paintball. Paintball, there's nothing like it. On the field or off, it's not just a sport, it's a community. The people, our people, come from all over, with vastly different lives during the week. But come time for Paintball, we're one community, with a lot of stories about why. Follow YI Paintball on Instagram and meet the members of the Paintball community. Learn about how they started, what their journey has been, and their ultimate why. Why Paintball? What's your why? In the Pits is partnered with Pod Runners Union. Follow Pod Runners Union on Instagram to find strength in union and celebrate our sports pit crew. Send in photos to represent your union local and be featured. Stealing pods for undeserving teams. It's a living. In the Pits is partnered with Mariachi Aguilas de Oro. Based in Austin and servicing the surrounding areas, these golden eagles will bring life to any event you are having, from birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, corporate events, or even a simple performance to enjoy. Guillermo Padilla, one of their trumpet players, is also a member of the Texas paintball scene. Visit them on Facebook and Instagram to check out some of their past performances, or give them a call to book them for your event today. In the Pits is partnered with Skull Monkeys Paintball. Equip, engage, excel. In the Pits is partnered with XTPL Events. The Extreme Tournament Paintball League is a series put on by the Lukau family of paintball fit fame that gives the opportunity for players to learn and grow together as a team. Three-man, Challengers and Champions X-Ball, Draft Mech X-Ball, and even U3v3. There's something for everyone at XTPL. Not to mention prize tosses, raffles, and the infamous paintball munching contest. Events happen throughout the year, and the prizes never disappoint. Sign up for an XTPL event today on PB Leagues. In the Pits is partnered with Hydra. Designed by players, for players, you can outfit yourself in Hydra gear from head to toe. Have confidence that when you make a purchase from Hydra, you are purchasing a well-tested and well-thought-out product, trusted by several top teams, including first-place semi-pro team, paintballfit.com. I personally recommend their Hydra Black knee pads. Purchases over $100 receive free shipping. Head to hydra.fit to browse their selection and discover the Hydra mentality. In the Pits is partnered with Bem Wraps. Behind every mask is a unique and creative player. Tap into it when you order your next custom headpiece. Their Build-A-Band lets you communicate with them one-on-one to make your order just the way you want, all the way down to the color of the stitch. Check out their Instagram, at BEMRAPS, for drops and build videos of them working on orders. They offer very competitive pricing, so reach out today to get started on your own one-of-a-kind headpiece. In the Pits is sponsored by FU Athletics, created with a purpose and focused on building a better you. We are a brand that matters in your workout, and every purchase gives back to cancer research. Go to thefuathletics.com and use code INTHEPITS25 for 25% off of your order. In the Pits is partnered with Compete. Compete is a Texas-based brand by Jell Stewart of professional team AC Diesel that provides custom jerseys, pants, headbands, straps, tech shirts, and any other soft goods to help individuals and teams compete at the highest level. Support Texas Paintball and message Compete on Facebook or Instagram and mention In The Pits Podcast for 10% off your entire order. In The Pits is partnered with Get That Shot. Get That Shot now offers first-in-line photo and video editing, 20% off Get That Shot merch, and 20% off prints to all teams that wear the Get That Shot logo on their jersey. Message Get That underscore Shot on Facebook or Instagram to become a Get That Shot program team. In the Pits is partnered with Paintball Kumite.
Paintball Kumite is a program designed by Colt Roberts of professional team San Antonio X-Factor to take paintball players of all ages, experience levels, and skill groups and mold them into champions. The program breaks the game down into small, easy-to-learn sessions designed to help you master the fundamentals so that you can elevate your game. Newcomers to the program get a free one-hour introductory class when mentioning in the pits. To sign up for a class, message at Paintball Kumite on Instagram. Welcome everyone to episode 72 of In the Pits Paintball Podcast. This podcast is focused on everything that has to do with the paintball scene here in Texas, from professional players and teams to new divisional programs, local tournament series, field owners, Texas-based brands, even photographers and videographers. Every week we will have a short and sweet episode with a new topic and a new special guest. I'm Christian Smith. I'm a player for the Texas Titans. In this episode, we are going In the Pits with Justin Rabikoff, player for AC Diesel. Justin, how are you doing this evening? Hey, how's it going? Going all right, man. Uh, we got uh, got World Cup heading just uh, one week from today. We got the new format debuting, so uh, it's all coming to a conclusion here. Yeah, I'm excited to to see how this format goes and see if it'll change the game. Because in my opinion, we need we need a big change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, good to see that they're experimenting with things. You know, I don't think that version 1.0 here is going to be the solution, but you know, it's a start. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it, it, it's just good to see them trying out different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. This first question is brought to us by XTPL Events. So for those listening that maybe don't know about you, how long have you been involved in the tournament paintball scene? Oh, in turn, tournament paintball, I mean, I first played my national event in 2004. So it was like the first time I ever I've, I've, I ever saw big paintball. I mean, I did like as a kid, I went to the events, but I don't really remember it. I didn't really get to see it or be involved in it or kind of understand what even was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just a kid that went there and I didn't even really care about paintball all that much when I was when I was a kid. But my first taste of it was 2000, 2004, played on a team on, uh, called DC Devastation. Um, and obviously I, I got hooked from there. It was just after I was going after school, setting up the field, playing, um, during the summers every day, like either out there by myself or, you know, got a buddy to go out there. I was playing, you know, four, four days, sometimes five days a week, constantly when I was in high school. And yeah, the bug bites hard when it bites, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure. So what are some of the, uh, teams that you've played with over the years? Well, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I started out with DC Dev, um, and then from there I played on Excessive um, when they were pro uh, with uh, John Richardson, Rich Telford was on the team, Rusty Glaze, and I played um, my first pro event with them in 2005, World Cup against Dynasty. We took second. 
Um, so that was my first pro experience. After that, Excessive kind of like fell apart mm. um, with that whole thing and the excess energy and they were asking for too much money. It was, again, I, I was still a kid. I had a contract. My contract wasn't, wasn't very much, but as a kid, like, you know, still in high school, it was, uh, it was a big deal for me, but they, I guess there was some, some greediness going on and I don't really know the whole story, but from there I went back and I played D2 with uh with my buddies and then i played with infamous but my i would say for me my pro career actually started out 2008 when i joined the russians because it was kind of like going back and forth I, I didn't really like pro um as a rookie at that time it was it was really tough like you were practically a slave you had to do everything it was like they would call you into the room be like hey turn my light off Turn the bathroom light up, like in your hotel room. Jeez. You'd go in there and you would do everything for the, for them. And then you would leave, you'd go back to your room. And then another room would call you up. Hey, come and do this. Like you were literally, you had to do everything. You had to pay your dues, right? That's mm. just the way it was. It's not like that at all anymore. But um, well, yeah, like I said, I went went back and forth on, on a bunch of teams. But 2008 was like my, in my head was when I started playing pro. It's like when I really actually started to love playing pro when I dedicated my time to it and I was like, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do. That's when I joined the Russians. Cool. And then, uh, since then, I know a big, big chunk of your career was on impact and, uh, you know, you had the one event with the saints and now you're on diesel. Yeah. Well, I, I went to damage, uh, actually right, right after. Yeah. Right after Russians, I went to damage, uh, won a bunch of turns, tournaments, tournaments with them and seven man played with them in the X ball as well. Um, and then I went to impact where I spent most of my career on impact. Um, and then yeah, had the one-off event with saints, went back to impact won another two events. And then, um, this year was, was our year for ACD or was my year for AC mm. diesel to go to them. Yeah. It's a, uh, a lot of big names on that uh, on that resume there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of wins, a lot of wins. I don't even know if it's like the names that are like. Uh, I guess some people would. You could, you, I guess, you can link it to the to the names of the teams or the orgs. But I think most importantly was was the wins, and in my in my mind, um, absolutely. I mean, if you're on like, especially with impacts run that they had, where they had, yeah like i don't know three or four years where they were the number one team or something like that like yeah we were just unstoppable we we couldn't we couldn't lose those years we just felt it on and i was talking to mouse about this literally just the other day like we were just so much better than everybody else at the team game and what was great is usually to win an event you need you know two or three people like when it comes sunday two or three people on the on the squad out of the five playing out of their minds. Right. And then you can, you can win, you can win and you can win a tournament, but we had like seven or eight guys. Like we could rotate that many people, seven or eight guys where everybody was playing out of their minds. It would, it must've been easy, but on the other hand, really hard to be a coach for that team because who do you put in? Because everybody was playing so good, but at the same time, it was so easy because you can go, oh, 
spit these five guys out there because they're just going to get it done. Yeah, it's uh, that just makes the run that y'all made all that much spe- more special because it's yeah. like there's very I, – I don't know if a run where it's like a three- or four-year span is ever going to happen like that again. I mean, you know, every – you know, as they say, every record is made to be broken, so we'll see. But it's it's one of those things where the talent kind of gets better. It raises every year and from not just – you know, the top level guys, but you know, the bottom level guys are kind of increasing um, the dynamic of the game. So we'll see. It's really, it's really tough to just win an event just by itself. So winning two in a row is insane. Winning, you know, three, four in a row, and then, you know, progressing that into years. It's, uh, (laughs) it's insane. Cause like I said, just to win one, one tournament, is so it's so difficult and so hard. Like a lot of people don't understand the struggle it, it takes to just go into one tournament through the practices and then proceed to try to continue to do that and play at the highest level possible every single day, game, every single point. It's very, very, very difficult. Definitely. And that's... I mean, there's always the discussion of like who are potential winners of any event that go like going into the event, like who are potential teams that could go in and win the whole thing. And it's like, hey, there's 20 teams, but realistically, there's like five that have a shot, maybe six. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, one of those teams is the Russians and they're sitting on the bottom half of the bracket right now. Yeah. So, uh, what was this next question is brought to us by skull monkeys paintball. So what was it that got you like into paintball to begin with? Um, you know, as I said, from the, from the first question, I was brought up into paintball. I was always around it. My dad played professionally. So, um, I was always around it. I went to the events, the local, the local ones. But when I first started, my dad tried to get me in, you know, Mm -hmm. early. And I think he tried to get me in. A little too soon because as most kids you know when you're eight or nine when you get shot with a paintball <laughs> shit sucks it, it hurts it's it's not made for small children right it well, unfortunately um but it was the only thing at the time there's no there was no splat master or the the gel blaster those jelly mm-hmm. guns that they have these days where you know the ball's like you know tiny you put a little water on it and it turns into a ball Right. You, know, you, you got jumped straight into 68 Cal, didn't straight you? Straight into 68 Cal. And the first time I played was at some random birthday party at, at the field. And there was other kids there. I think they were like 12 or 13. And, and I played and I absolutely hated it. And I never touched another gun until I was like 13, like 13 and a half. Because the experience, it traumatized me. Mm-hmm. It was, it was horrible. It's a horrible experience. Um, so yeah, I, you know, my dad after that just never pushed me and he was like, well, if he wants to play, then he can play. And then finally, um, like I said, when I was about 13, so when I started getting into it again, there was a, a local, there was a local store that was right by our house. So after school, um, I would walk over there and I, that's how I met some of my friends. Some of them still play pro. Uh, I met some of my friends there and this was in Fairfax at the, at the local store. And then we started all talking and we would meet there after school 
And then we just formed a three-man team. And then from there, you know, the rest is history from all the teams that, you know, I played with. But yeah, it was just an after-school thing. We walked over, made friends. We talked about paintball all, all day. It kind of got me hooked. And honestly, it was mostly the the friendship part. It wasn't actually the playing. It was going and having some sort of community, you know, after you know, going right after school and hanging out with these people who kind of everyone just understood each other. We all wanted the same thing. We all wanted to do the same thing. So that that community was was awesome. And it was something that I looked forward to every day, walking over to the store after school, after I got off the bus. And from there, I just I got absolutely hooked because of the people who I did it with. For sure. I mean, that's why we all do it. It's not, I mean, maybe there's a select few out there that are genuinely just in it for like the sake of the sport itself and uh, not much else, but I mean, the connections are where it's at. hundred percent. hundred percent. If you're, if you're out there, especially at a divisional level, you know, when you're at, when you're at the pro level, it's, it's very, it's very different. Everyone says, you know, if you're not having fun, then don't play it. Yeah. At a divisional level, if you're not out there having fun or you don't enjoy the people who you're hanging out with or who you're going to the, the events with, then in paintball, it's all community because it's, it's, it's smaller, right? So we all know each other, especially at the national level. A lot of teams you get, you, you, you get these rivalries and the community that it, it's just, it's an amazing experience, especially when you go to world cup, like if people are going to world cup for the first time, um, it's always a special moment for anyone who goes their very first time. I'm sure you remember yours. If you've if you've been to Cup, I'm assuming you have. Yep. We all remember our first World Cup experience, and we all you know cherish that in our hearts and our minds. So it's like it that experience and that being part of that community is is a ama- it's an amazing feeling. Well, I. I- I think that first time going to world cup was also my first NXL event. So that oh, was okay. like, it was like, Oh, this is like what paintball actually is. Cause before yeah. that it was, I was doing just NCPA where, you know, you didn't have any vendors or anything like that. Didn't have the huge like tents with GI or HK or anything like that. It was just, you show up to the field and play, but then it was like, Oh, this is what, this is what it's all about. Yeah. And then, if your you know, first one's going to be cup too, that was, that's even <laughs> from going local to cup. It's entirely a different thing. Definitely. Even though my team, I think we got like 60th out of 63, but you probably you know, still had a blast. Yeah, absolutely. The second time <laughs> I went to cup was way better. Cause we got fourth out of 95, but there, you know. yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh yeah. Uh, so looking in the chat here on YouTube real quick, we got, uh, Nemo Razavi tuning in from, uh, from Iran where it's uh 4 10 AM. So, uh, shout out to you, Nima. Good to see you. Uh, he asks, um, let's see, Justin, how much did being on uh, Russian Legion help you to make a name for yourself in pro paintball? I would say, honestly, I don't think without being on the Russians, I mean, and you never know, but in my mind, I think without being on the Russians, I don't think that I would be as good as I am, or it would have taken taken me much longer. Maybe I would have still reached that same those same heights, but I think it would have taken me a lot longer. I was playing five days a week when I was on the Russians. Every week. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. I play we drilled and I worked out every Monday through Friday, had the weekends off when I was over in Russia. 
And obviously when I played, when I was here, I wanted to continue that. I was still playing, you know, four days a week, mostly five, but that bled through the weekend. Mm. Um, so I was constantly, constantly training and I absolutely loved it. I loved drilling every single day, like having the ability to do that in a, at a facility to train five days a week. Like I said, maybe I would have gotten here, but not as quickly not as quickly because of how much I was playing and how much I was just like dedicated and all in on it. Uh, I mean, without the Russians, I just don't know where I would be to be honest. Right. For sure. That's a, that's a very fast way to rack up significant time behind the gun. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, so this next question is brought to us by pod runners union. So what are some things that you've noticed have changed for better or for worse within the paintball scene over, uh, over your career? Are we talking about like, the the state of the game can we can we dial that question into sure i mean i'll i'll let you i'll let you determine how you want to answer that really but just some things that have changed over time either within the like on field state of the game or the paintball community the industry could be you know up to you how you want to answer that well okay so i'll put it this way um I've always had a problem it, it, it at least the last three or four years, I've been a little more vocal about it, maybe not on on media, but more of like you know pro to pro, pro, eh, pro to pro players or mm. people at the at the higher level like management and stuff like that. Um, you know, we were at a time where paintball was extremely big. I mean, we are bigger than we were then in terms of like teams uh outreach just because of social media right but when we were on espn um it was a big 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 time for paintball this was obviously was right before you know the 2008 Mm -hmm. housing crash um and it was huge like i said we were on espn um and it was a big it was a big deal for paintball big deal for anybody coming up in paintball and the divisionals like hey i can i can be on espn you know where my dad and my mom watch or where everybody watches, I have a possibility of being on here. But from that time to now, which was before 2008, right? Mm. To 2023, the game has not changed like the format. X-Ball has been exactly the same. Sure, they've brought the points down. Like at one point it was a race to seven or eight or it was nine to skunk them and now it's six so like the only thing that's changed is how much time we're on on the field whereas before it was like two halves two 20 minute halves like we were playing a lot of paintball it's exactly the same format but just less points less time less points we have changed absolutely nothing when it comes to that so we went from you know this where it's and and I'll be honest, like as somebody who understands the game better than ninety nine point nine percent of the players out there, it is it can be difficult to watch. Obviously, I understand it. You might understand it. Most people that play it at a high level understands what's going on and what to look for. Right? What moves are going to be made next? You know, you can watch it and you can enjoy paintball that way. But as a new viewer it is practically impossible to understand what the hell is going on. Um, could they do a better job of uh, on the casting of, of introducing new players like while they do it? I think they just assume that it's people who 
are constantly playing, but it would be refreshing to have, even if there's not new people watching on the webcast, right, or, or purchasing it or whatever, it should still be good guidelines to put in, hey, if you're not new, this is kind of what's going on or this is what to look for. Problem with our sport is we have no focal point. There's mm-hmm. no focus. Whereas any other sport, you have a you have a ball. Most of the time, it's 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 a ball. So that's the focal point. You can follow the ball. You follow the play. So it's it's tough for for a viewer to come in and watch. You know, I think what's frustrating is we go from ESPN to that, and we don't change anything of what's going on. But uh, I guess I have to give you know some praise because at this cup, we're gonna have. Uh, a new format, an expert, exp- uh, um, it's like s- some scrimmages with the new format on right. the Wednesday. Um, so we'll see what that looks like. Is that going to be like the end all be all? Probably not, but it's good to see that they're trying to make some changes because I think they realize just as much as everybody else who's been playing, like, Hey, it's getting a little stagnant. Um, some new fresh ideas have to come into play. Like I said, is that going to be the end-all be-all? Probably not, but it's good that they're making an effort to try to change that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if nothing else, they're putting in a process for how they can make the change happen. So Right, exactly. Yeah, even if we don't uh, hit a home run here on, on the first time, at least... Just uh, get the conversation going, though. It's, it's nice to, to hear that the conversation is starting that we can kind of create something new because in in my opinion, the game is so slow. It it doesn't matter what field, what layout they come out with. It, it it doesn't matter what Trojan is the guy who makes the, the layouts. No, I, it does not matter what he does or how creative he is or what it looks like on paper because by Saturday, well for cup, there's it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the pros by Friday. At this point, it'll be by Friday. The field will pl- be playing so slow and mm-hmm. guarantee by Sunday. It, you're going to, you, that's why you always see, you know, these two, one games, three, one games, three, two, four, four, two, very low scoring games, because that's just the way the game is being processed. Now it's, it's how it's played at a high level. And it even happens at, in the, in the semi pro, and you'll even see it and sometimes in the D2. The lower divisions, yeah, sure, people run around because they can't do it as well as, as we can. But it's gotten so, so, so slow. And in my opinion, so boring to watch as a viewer. Obviously, to play, it's, you know, everyone loves to play. Mm-hmm. But we need to be looking at the viewer, not, hey, are we having good games? Because the games are not good. Look at the last event. We had X Factor versus Impact. The game literally went 1-0 and people were cheering in the crowd just when somebody shot their gun. Like <laughs> if at that point we can't go okay enough's enough, I don't know what what, what we do then, you know. Right. So I mean, at that that situation is uh I, it's just a product of the scoring system, but yeah, and and the format itself. So Right, it's the form it's the format. It comes down to the format cuz like I said, it doesn't matter how creative or what he can put on paper for a layout, it, it just doesn't matter. We will find a way. I mean, this is what we do. That we will mm-hmm. find a way to slow it down to make it so you can't make big moves 
on us. And every team is doing that when it comes to practice. We'll go there this weekend. And the first thing you do is, okay, how fast can we go down this side? How fast can we go down this side? Okay, how do we stop it? And that happens in the first few hours. So already you know on the first day how to slow down the field. So when it comes to the tournament time, it, it, it just it gets progressively worse because you perfect it. You right. perfect how to play that slower, that slower game. I mean, that's, that's the high percentage right there. So that's what teams yep. are going to do. Yep. All right. Uh, this next question is, let's see, looking in the chat. Um, let's see from Eric C. He says, ask J-Rab why he refuses to join the purple ballers group on Facebook. Well, one, I don't, I didn't refuse <laughs> anything. Um, two, I never go on Facebook. Like Facebook to me is like, uh, just this is my head. Obviously it's not, but to me, it's just like a dead social media. I never go on it. And that's my head. Obviously Facebook is thriving, mm. but I just, I don't find it entertaining. So it has nothing to do with any groups on there. Cause if I was on there all the time, I'd be joining all, all different types of groups, but I'm just never on Facebook. Nothing against you guys promise. <laughs> Swear to you. All right. So this next question now from, so from 2013 to 2021, uh, you had a continuous eight year streak with impact. And during the same period, impact got 33 podiums between PSP NXL and what is now NXL Europe. And of those 33 podiums, 15 of those were gold medals. So what were some of the things that you felt that, uh, the impact organization had in place that, uh, made them so successful over that time period? Well, during, during that time, we were so hungry to win because we had, we had the talent on the team. We just couldn't make it click. And with any team, you need to build chemistry. You can't, and I've said this a million times on a di million different podcasts and videos or whatever it may be, you cannot take the five best players, throw them on a brand new team, and and hope for success. Sure, they the talent alone will win you will win you points, but will you win tournaments? The it's pretty low, right? Like I said, the talent alone you can get to Sunday from what the pro bracket is, but can you win the event with the with a brand new team like that? It's it's very 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 unlikely. It's because you need to build that chemistry. You need to build that chemistry within the team. Um, and within the players, pa the different packages. And what I mean by packages, like, you know, snake package, Dorito mm -hmm. package and, and middle package. Um, so all of that gets fine tuned, you know, as you develop, like most of these teams, most of these players, like especially the, the high ranking teams, all the top four, top five teams only bring or lose one piece at a time, one or two pieces. Right. So that chemistry is already there. You're just kind of throwing in a new piece and that new piece has to form in with the rest of the set. Um, and that's a lot easier to do rather than taking five, six, seven pieces and then instantly trying to make it make it work. It's, it's practically impossible. Has, has it been done? Sure. But not in a matter of, you know, a snap. You just you just can't do it that it takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication. So getting back to impact, we just, we, we practiced extra weekends. We were always there. Even when we didn't have like a dedicated layout weekend, 
we got five, six, seven guys to fly out to whatever field. And we always were like playing together constantly. We were running drills constantly. We were just so, so hungry to win because of the talent that we had. We knew that we could, we were just so, so close. Um, and then finally it's once it clicked and we got that first podium from there, when, when we got that taste of victory, it was just a snowball effect. Everyone got in, everyone wanted to continue. We fed off of that. And I get like so amped up talking about it and like so excited talking about it because I remember those feelings at practices, on the podiums, at the events, in the pits, talking to the coach, no matter what it was, like it was a very high level. And I, I remember during those times, I was always always excited and I always knew that we were going to win even the times that we didn't you know you always had that in your in the front of your mind like we are going to win this event um and it was just it was an incredible experience because everybody was at that same level there was no you know you, there's an old saying you know you're only as strong as your weakest link there we didn't have that during the during that run there was no in the back of your mind, like, you know, and I'm sure some people can, can relate to this where you have a guy on your team, divisional or pro doesn't matter what it is. When he's out there, you're like, Oh, like, can he win that point for us? You know, and you, you're shaking your head mm -hmm. because we've all been there. When that guy is out there, you're like, ah, you know, uh, hopefully he can do it. And when he does it, you get amped. But when he doesn't, you're like, ah, you know, we could have guessed that one, but during that time, during that run, we never had, we didn't have that. So everyone out there, we were always amped because we knew that they could get the job done. Um, so it, it was just, it, it's something that I wish that I could, I could go back and relive because it, like I said, it was such an incredible experience and it's something that will stay with me for the rest, for the rest of my life. Like being on that team, like it really was a family to me. Like going to those things, like, you know, I still, talk to Bart and talk to the, talk to the other guys. And, um, but it was, we were more of a family than we were a team. We did everything together. We did everything. Even during the off season, we spent so much time together. Like it never, we never skipped a beat or we never missed a beat. Yeah. And your guys roster was just like stacked out of your minds and yeah. it's like you were you were spinning i i felt like at some of the events you were spinning two full line rotations and it was like hey there's they're still gonna win 7-0 or uh like either line is gonna get it done it doesn't matter who they put out there it seems like yeah and that's that's what it was like it it, it must have been and i think we talked about this right before we got on it must have been so easy but extremely difficult for dave and bart as coaches to go could we put out there because everybody is playing at an extremely high level so it's easy to go okay throw five guys on a on a sheet of paper and then call call their names because we know that they're going to get it done but also extremely hard because how do you between those 10 guys who are all playing at the, at a high level how do you call the call the lines mm -hmm. right and so and then you know it, even when one team, one line lost a point, it didn't matter. We knew that 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 next line would go out there and, and get the job done. So, you we have never seen another team be able to run two lines successfully throughout an entire event besides Impact. 
through an entire event. Mm. We just haven't seen it. I know. And I, I don't think damage I don't think has we'll gotten have, pretty close, but yeah, damage has gotten pretty close. But I don't. Do they even have ten guys on their on their roster? I think like, they do. They, do they bring ten all the time? Usually, yeah. Let me see what yeah. they got going for for this one. If, if they got their uh, even last uploaded. event, they only played five, six, seven guys max. I know that the uh, when they won the minor in Dallas, they were spending two full lines throughout yeah. the entire mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they've got twelve on their roster, which is a lot of bodies to cycle through. But I'm I'm yeah. thinking like back when you guys were doing your run, it's like, hey, you've got to think of who are the players on the field, but then like think of who the players are on the bench. It's like, hey, you've got both Mouse and Keith Brown. One of those guys is yeah. not on this field right now. And how like for any other team, it's like, what do you mean Mouse isn't playing every single point? What do you mean Keith Brown yeah. isn't playing every single point? But now it's like, well, we've got both of them. Exactly. Exactly. And I was at every role. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was the two or the three, like it at every role we had we had someone that if someone wasn't playing at the highest level, there was someone right there to step up and take the job. Absolutely. All right. Uh, looking at the chat here, I think we got another question here. Um, let's see. Where is it? Where is it? Uh, from Nima Razavi. Uh, who was your, uh, who's your guy and your best teammate? I guess your best friend and your best teammate when you were on the Russian Legion. Um, when I was on the Russians, it would probably be, even though I never roomed with him, um, it would probably be, be Misha. And then uh, Kostya or Fedorov would be a close second. Um, and then uh, Matt, well, obviously from the American side, because we had American and a, and a Russian line. Um, from the American side, it would obviously be, for me, it would be Matt Blonsky. He was uh, like big for, you know, helping me out on, on the field and in the pits and kind of understanding how the, how the plays are supposed to be run and, and things like that. So, but I would say like who I spent a lot of time talking to and, and trying to like learn Russian and learn the language and the culture because my family's Russian was probably Mishka. So I spent a lot of time with him and Fedorov when he was on the team as well. Sweet. All right. Uh, this next question is brought to us by BEM Raps, Brandon Ortega, who's in the chat here. Let's see. In 2022, uh, so last year you briefly departed Impact for the Latin Saints first event, and then you rejoined Impact for the rest of the season, and then you left for AC Diesel at the start of this year. So what was it that prompted the departure? Uh, the departure both times or... Uh, yeah, let's go with both times. What, what was it that made you want to see a change? Um, okay, so the reason why I left the first time, which is the because it doesn't matter which time, which mm-hmm. is the same reason why I left both both times, has nothing to do with impact or who's on the team or who's coaching it. It, it was never anything like that. For me, I have won uh, four World Cups now four or five and over 50 event wins i've won series mvps i've won everything that there is to win everything that there is to win there's nothing that i haven't won that i can go back and go oh i haven't done that yet so when i'm looking at you know what 
what there is left like achievements, right? Because we, we always want to create new goals for ourselves. You know, we have these long-term goals. We have these short-term goals for ourselves in life and in our jobs and whatever it may be. To me, so for me, for paintball, I had to start looking at, you know, different goals and different achievements that I could try to accomplish. Well, one of them is not starting a team from fresh because that would be next to impossible, like practically impossible, but taking a a bottom tier team and building them up to where they could be a championship team. So that's kind of kind of what I've trying to been trying to do with AC Diesel. It's what I try to do with Latin Saints. We just didn't have the funding that we thought we were going to have with the Saints, but you saw the success there. You know, we took second our very first event out, which is unheard of, right? Like I said, you just can't throw a mix of people together and and hope, but we were able to just click. Um with AC Diesel, that's not so much the case, but um the end goal is the same. The goal is to take a, a a lower tier team and build them into a championship team from my point of view. So it's kind of where I'm at in my career and what I would like to accomplish. So it had nothing to do with the team. You know, Impact gave me gave me the world, right? Gave me everything. I had countless wins with them. Like I said, they were my family. But, you know, it's achievements, goals, and... I just, I could have stayed on there, continue to win, continue, continue to do and 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 do those things. But those wins mean less and less and less when there's no kind of like goals or achievements because you're just doing the same thing over and over again, right? So, mm. definition of that, right? Insanity. We all know that. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's the big thing for me. All right, new goals. Yeah, definitely. Uh... Definitely can uh, appreciate that. Uh, so next question is brought to us by Mariachi Aguilas de Oro. So you are kind of talking a little bit about uh, player salaries within the NXL Pro Division. So you're a historically sought-after player, and you're one of the few who has worked hard enough to have the status of getting paid to play the game, which on top of uh, which... Granted, I have like no insight into this as a divisional player, but I would assume you're also getting things like all of your expenses covered, flights, equipment, things like that, uh, which not everybody in the pro division is in the same situation, but there's also not a lot of information or transparency out there when it comes to player salaries and agreements. So uh, go into either as much or as little detail as you either want to or you're able to. Uh, what is like the general state in the NXL Pro Division as far as players getting paid or compensated? And in your opinion, are there any steps that can be taken to improve uh, or increase the player agreements or situations across the board? Well, yeah, I mean... I, I guess as most people can can guess, like if you don't know for sure, as most people can guess, the teams who continually take top four, make Sunday, they're the ones who have the that extra funding. Not all of those teams that make Sunday, their players get paid. Like, mm. for instance, NYX, who has been doing really well this year, has seen a lot of success. I don't know if or any of those players get paid. And if they do, I'm sure it's very a small amount. A lot of people on like the mid-tier teams or the lower-tier teams um we'll get guns um 
some sort of sponsorship agreements, things like that, rather than cash, where you'll see the top teams um, impact. Uh, I know some players on Dynasty get paid, whether it's in gun sponsorship, but I think some of them also get cash. Um, X-Factor damage, heat, you know, all, all the top teams that you see on Sunday continually making, um, you know, those spots who have been around, like I said, they, they haven't changed many pieces whatsoever. Um, those are the teams, the teams that are grounded and, and have the ability to continue to, to create success also have the funding, right? And it's a reason, there's a reason that, that that's true. So if you want to break that down um, without going into actual player salaries, because, you know, not everyone on all of those teams get paid in cash. Like I said, Mm -hmm. some of it will be sponsorship. Some people are just happy to be on those teams and they don't need to get paid. You know, some of them are well off enough where they have a great job and, you know, they can, you know, just, you know, play and, and continue to do this at a high level because their other job allows it. Um, but at the events, it's mostly, if I want to just speak on all of those teams, it's pretty much all expenses. So it's flights, hotels, uh, most of those teams will do, you know, food while you're there. You don't have to pay for food. So you're, it, it's pretty much like it, the best way it would be describe it is if you are in the military, mm-hmm. right. And you're staying on base, you know, you get room, board, food, right. It, it's, it's all the same flights everything it, all those expenses are paid for plus you get your salary and sponsorship whatever it is like some players like top players will have their own gun sponsorship you know things like that some will do goggles loaders barrels doesn't matter there's all different kinds of things that you can negotiate for depending on you know how big you are on social media or how well you, of a player you are on the field um so it, it it's very diverse and the reason why it's it's so private is because think of it like a like a private company, right? Where they haven't they don't have an IPO, they haven't been taken public, where the public doesn't need to know their knowledge if they want to buy shares in, in into that company. Um, why would these teams go out and say how much they're giving these players? Because one, it tells all the other players what they're getting, right? And mm-hmm. two, it allows them to negotiate with players privately in terms of what they what they can get, what they can see. And most of these teams and these managers, they talk. They talk all the time. So it's no hidden message on what all the players make at that level. Like there's nothing you can do to like, you know, go to, you know, damage and then go to heat and say, hey, I'm getting this, I'm getting this. Cause they talk and they'd be like, okay, what did he ask? Like they they do that. So there's no way like that you can that you can really get around on it. And I'm not saying that they, they price fix or anything like that, but it, in terms of privacy, it's it's only amongst uh, very few people who know what everybody makes. Mm. Um, and that's just that's just the way it is, right? It's just and that's the way it'll continue to be until there is more, you know, public knowledge on on these things because it doesn't need to be. It's fair. It it is a private, like I said. It's like a private company instead of they don't have an IPO. They don't need to tell, we don't need to tell anybody anything, just like impact or damage, heat. They don't have to tell anyone anything because they don't need to. It's not in their best interest to do that. So it's not that it's just like private and we don't want anybody to know. 
but it's more negotiation tactics, mm. right? It's it's more for the benefit for the player and the teams so that they can negotiate properly without outside interference. Right. Yeah, I know obviously the NXL isn't a salary cap league or anything like that, so there's no reason that it has to be exactly. disclosed. Um so like in general you would say at the very least like the majority of players out there are getting their expenses covered at the very least, or do you think there's still professional players out there that are paying their own way to play? Yeah, there are definitely professional players that are that are buying their own flights, getting their own te- hotels. Absol- absolutely. Um, I'm not going to spit out names of teams or players that are that are doing that mm-hmm. because one, it's just just not fair, and um, I don't I'm I don't want to be that person. But um, yeah, absolutely. There is definitely teams, definitely players who are who are paying paying their way and paying their expenses. Right. Sure. Okay. So I guess just to properly visualize it for anybody who has like no idea or no gauge on it. Mm-hmm. So there's like kind of three tiers. There's like the top tier where you're getting your expenses covered and you're getting a salary on top of that. Yeah. And then there's kind of the middle ground where you're just getting expenses. So like flights, hotels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know maybe a per diem or whatever. And then there's the, uh, at the below all of that, you're paying either partially or fully your own way to play. Yeah. And even those, even the bot, even the bottom tier teams, it depends really on their, on their sponsorship. Sponsorship plays a big, big help in terms of, you know, all these big, the big names on what they give you. Right. And a lot of the times it'll go from a field. So if a, a field is very big, very successful, and even they could be a bottom tier team. Even some of these, you know, D1 teams, they will get their stuff paid for because their field is very successful. So you have a lot of that as well. So it, I would say what you said is very safe in terms of a general thing. Okay. You know, exception can't be the rule. But as a general guideline, that's probably mostly what it looks like. But there are nuances where if a field is very successful, that team will get a lot more, right? Mm-hmm. Expenses paid depending because they can they can afford that. Okay. Uh do do you have any knowledge or would you like to go into like the distribution there as far as like how many players or how many teams fall into which category? Um I mean obviously as I said before the 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 teams who are winning are mm-hmm. in that higher tier. You know in the, in the middle of the pack sometimes they make Sundays, sometimes they don't because the success of your team also increases the amount of your sponsorship. And this applies to literally anything in life, not just in paintball, but most sports in general. You look at F1, you look at literally any sport, any player that is at the top of his game or at the top of his level, he is going to get the most sponsorships. He's going to get the most money, he or she, doesn't matter. They are going to get the most money, the most sponsorships. So that's just the way the world works. Mm-hmm. If you are the most popular, and not always does this has to do with success. If it's if you have success and a good social media presence, you're you are in a great spot to negotiate for mostly whatever you want in terms of sponsorship, right? Um, because like I said, your success, your social media presence, especially when it comes from these sponsorships, if you have a high social media presence. Um, you get you can get a lot more as well. 
Okay, for sure. So kind of the second part of the question was, do you think there's anything like any steps, either individuals or teams or maybe the league or anybody out there that can be taken to improve, like get more players paid or get players paid more, like anything that can kind of raise the bar there? (laughs) I mean, I have a plethora of ideas of how they could create more funding or bring in a bigger audience. I don't know if I want to because it kind of is something that I believe might help me in the future. Okay. Um, in terms of you know maybe possibly a job or whatever it may be, right? So I don't I, I don't want to divulge too much because I, I do think I have a lot of ideas in that realm to kind of help paintball push forward. But I will say that there are many many ways to bring in more uh people into the sport of paintball um that we aren't utilizing at all in terms of content there are a lot a lot of different ways that we could be doing better as individuals and better as really as as a sport and the front runners of that are the nxl are the big name sponsorships you know hk uh, GI Sports, um, just to name a just to name a few, mm. but really, these big sponsorships, the majority of their money comes from the scenario side, right? That's how they make their the most of their money, and that's what helps create funding for us, for the professionals, for the divisionals, for these these things to be run. But the NXL is a separate entity from that, right? The mm-hmm. sponsorships help the NXL create the events that we know and love and that we go to, like World Cup. So I believe that NXL, and I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes or shit on anybody and say that they're doing a, a horrible job because I, I constantly do think that they are trying to do things. Like, you know, they did the three-man that, and they gave out like, 40 grand or 30 grand or whatever it was, which is amazing. But they only advertise that to people who were already involved in paintball, right? We didn't get new people. Like I would love to see the data of these many brand new players came to play this who have never been to a world cup before, who've never played this, who played in that $40,000 or whatever, however much it was. Mm, Tournament. I think it was 50,000 for the the two on two, yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to see the data of how many of those players, that was their first national event, right? I would have loved to see that that data. Um, I just don't think it was was very many. If there was, it it might've been a 1%, right? So my point is, I, I think that there is a lot of different avenues, a lot of different ways to create content, to bring in new faces, new players, and get them involved into um, into tournament paintball. But it, 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 it's tough, you know. I, I can say that and, and go on like, oh, well, you know, we can be doing all of these things, but it really relies on the fields as well, because no matter how much content, let's say NXL starts just pumping content on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, right? All of all these high platforms where they can get the, you know, these people. But if those people don't have a way 
to then go to their local field, feel welcome, and and go, hey, I want to go play over there. Because a lot of times there is like a, a an elitist mindset at a lot of local fields. And I'm not saying every field is like this. Some fields are very welcoming and for new players, like, hey, come play with us, right? But there is in tournament paintball an elitist mindset at the local level. So when they're playing on the field, they will either go out there and these new players will, and they'll just shit all over them. Right. And then they'll go out there and have a horrible experience, right? They'll go, they'll have their tip men, whatever. And the, they want to upgrade and they upgrade to, you know, a shocker or whatever it may be. And then they go to these fields and they play with these elitist players and this elitist mindset. And whether they mean to do it or not, it's just what happens. I've seen it a million times at these fields. It's just what happens, and and it needs to be done on all levels. So no, how, it doesn't matter how much content they're pushing out, because if that player who goes, man, this looks really awesome, they see it on YouTube, and they go, I could, I could do that. I can go with my friends. We can go, and then they get that scenario, and then they get the bug, and then they go out to the fields, and then it's just not an enjoyable experience for them because the rest of the community doesn't allow for it, right? So, and again. I'm not saying that every field does this. There are fields that that do that do have that and do do that. So it it, it can be tough. So it, it takes everybody, right? Everybody listening, you know, myself, you. It takes everybody at every level that when a new player comes in to make them feel special, to make them feel a part of what we have grown to love so much, right? And it, it can't be that elitist mindset. When it comes to, to to tournament paintball, when you're playing a tournament, yes, be be elite, right? Because you want to win, right? At the end of the day, we want to win. But when you're just playing at your local field and some new some newbies come over, ha- make have their time special, make their time enjoyable, so we can have more people to play against, right? I'm sure, most people can relate, especially at a local level, where you're playing the same faces every single weekend, and it doesn't change. Right, it just doesn't. It just doesn't change. So we all have to think about whose fault is that, right? Mm-hmm. Is it my fault? Is it your fault? Is it is it the field's fault? Is it NXL's fault? No, it, it's it's all of us collectively. Like I said before, we are a small community in terms of the tournament paintball side. So when these new faces come over and they play on our fields, we need to make them feel special and make it enjoyable for them that they continue to go back and we have new faces we have new fresh faces coming and we have different talent to to play against and some fields are doing an incredible job like paintball fit they do this like mech thing it's amazing it's amazing what they're doing to to allow for new players to come and be a part of like building a community they no one does it better than them in terms of like how they do their tournaments and how they set it up it's incredible and more fields you know need to do that if they want to create um you know new talent and and make more money absolutely and kind of that kind of segues into an announcement that i was going to make on this show today um so one of the things that i was like a huge fan of that started up this year uh kind of to your point of bringing in new players and making them feel welcome was Oliver Lang's 1v1 joust tour that he did, uh, which I was fortunate enough to get to participate in the one that was at Paintball Fit. 
back in July and it was like we had players from all over. We had, uh, you know, kids competing against adults and like uh, Cooper Harrison, who's a the, the little kid with the Mohawk plays on TKO. Yeah. Up if it, yeah. yeah, he, uh, he was going on like six or seven point streaks during the joust. And, uh, we also had players, uh, her name was Morgan. I can't remember her last name, but it was like her first event that she did. And then like right after that, she played a mech X that they do at fit. And now she's like in, so, you know, things like that have been huge. And I was such a fan of that. I was like, you know what? I want this format to, uh, continue to be a, way for us to grow the community and welcome others maybe like on the outside looking in. So, uh, here next month, December 10th, I will be hosting, uh, my very own version of the joust at X factor paintball park. Uh, signups are now live on X factors website. So if you want to go check it out, sign up. Uh, we do have a lot of sponsors, uh, that are supporting and backing this, including, uh, Hormesis themselves, uh, including Project, uh, Pate Smith's law firm over in Houston has offered to throw some things up. X Factor is going to be supporting. So uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun participating and now I want to like keep it going. So yeah, if you're interested in doing that, go ahead and go to X Factor's page. I'm going to type the link in the chat real quick just to uh, show everybody. It's also in the description. But yeah, uh, we're going to make it happen in Texas, and hopefully it's a recurring thing and not just a one-off. And it's events like that that, one, build the community for your area, for your local field. But it's events like that specifically where I got hooked playing because – most as most people well i don't know how it is these days but at the time that i was growing up you started playing three mans right three local three mans like those were every in the in the northeast like virginia all that area that was that was where you started in and your three man beginner novice rookie novice uh, all of those so it's small events like that that get people hooked these new players and if it wasn't for the three mans, I, I don't know where I would be or if I would have even had fun. So I'm, I'm super happy and I'm excited because I've seen those things. I haven't been to one yet, but just watching them on social media gets me hyped, gets me excited. Like I feel like I'm missing out and it's events like that, that like build that strong community and make people wanting more. It, like it's content like that, like not enough of these companies are doing or, the teams it's content like that where they feel like they want to be part of 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 it they want to be there and when they're not there they're missing out like those that's the kind of content that we need more of in, in paintball absolutely and we just need like there's so like much focus on x-ball and on 5v5 mm -hmm. that a lot of people have even just forgotten what paintball could be like not just this one single format that everybody like works so hard, which is a lot of work to learn the the nuances of five v five paintball, but like doing three v threes, doing one on ones, doing big games. Yep. Like there's there's a lot within the community of paintball, and if you just solely focus on one aspect of it, it can drive a lot of people away when it has so much more potential than that. Hundred percent.
All right. So yeah, I put the uh, link in the chat for anybody who's listening to the recording of this. Uh, go check out my Facebook and Instagram page. The links will be up. It's also in the YouTube description if you're uh, watching after the fact. So yeah. Uh, oh, one more uh, sponsor I think I forgot to mention before was uh, Hydra is also going to be sponsoring. So uh, JD Lukau's brand uh, will be backing this as well. So yeah, definitely would be would love to see so many of y'all at this event. So uh, yeah, this next question is brought to us by Paintball Kumite, which uh, Sensei Colt Roberts uh, training regimen there. So uh, you are one of very few individuals in the world that at one point have maxed out your APPA profile at 9,600 points, which is done by having four first place pro finishes within a two year span. So what are some things that you have done in your own personal preparation and training to not only get you to the very top of the game, but that have kept you there as well? Well, when I first when I first started coming up and before I was even on impact and in the Russians and even before before then, I would go after school when I was in high school, I would go and I would blow up my local field by myself and I would go out, the, out there and run run drills. And those drills would consist of running and gunning, snap shooting, I would practice my sliding things where I didn't need a lot of paint. Like you don't need a lot of paint to shoot a quick lane on the break, you know, 10, 12 balls to make sure that you're hitting a cone on the break and snap shooting. Like everyone knows how uh, pain efficient snap shooting is, you know, working on, working on my slides, creating new slides, just going out there and, and having fun, like by myself. And you don't even have to do that. You can go with, go with a buddy, you know, three or four guys. And then it's even even less paint because then you are feeding off each other. You're building off each other. You're also watching um, and, and critiquing and, and, and then everything just kind of gets a higher level, higher level, higher level. When you have a little more people being able to, you know, talk about it and do it correctly. So I would say your fundamental skills, like any sport are your, your baseline, your, they're your foundation without those fundamentals you're not going to be able to to go very far right and, and and then you can build on on those fundamentals like snap shooting one-on-ones you know going to a your you know a local tournament like how you're what you're hosting those help work on your snap shooting so then you take okay i'm i'm shooting a pole or i'm shooting a target or a little metal pin or whatever it is a cone to go now i'm going to play one-on-ones and i'm going to you know shoot another another player so then you start incorporating what you've learned, you put it into there. It's all, like I said, those fundamentals are your foundation. Without your foundation, you cannot build a beautiful house, right? As cliche as that sounds, you just cannot do it without your basic fundamentals. So if you're going out there, let's say you are a divisional player. If you are going out there every weekend and you are just going playing five on fives and you are not working on your foundation, you will stay exactly where you are right now. And, and that's okay for most people. Most people just want to go out there. They want to play their five on fives and then they want to go home to their families. And that's absolutely okay for them. It is a hobby. But for others who want to play at a higher level, you need to not go out there and do what everybody else is doing. A lot, uh, one of the biggest questions that I've gotten over the, all the years that I've been playing is, just like you said, how do I play at a high level? Well, if you are not going out there and you're doing more than what I'm doing, 
or if you're not doing more than what Fedorov is doing or what Archie is doing or what Ryan Greenspan is doing or what Alex Goldman is doing, if you are not doing more than what we are doing on an every weekend, everyday basis, if you're not doing more than us, how can you expect to surpass us? And, and a lot of people like don't, don't understand that concept. They just want to go out there. They want to play their five on fives and they think, okay, well, I'm getting better. No, you're not. You're not working on your foundation. You then incorporate those skills, your foundation and what you've learned and you build on that. And eventually you get to those five on fives. Am I saying never play five on fives? No, but you need it. It's all, it's all building blocks, right? And without those blocks, that you you will just stay stagnant. You you're building a house of 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 hay, of sticks, right? That it can easily get blown away. So like think think of it that way. Um, and, and it's that it's that simple. I know it sounds so simple to do, like in theory, because it is that it is that simple. And this rings true to any sport, really anything in life. Right, it math without a good foundation of math, you cannot continue to do and then build on to calculus. You don't go from not learning multiplication, division, and then try to learn calculus. You you can't do it. You need a solid foundation. This is anything in life. None of this stuff is is easy. Everything in life is hard work, and you need to be willing to put that work in if you want to play at a high level. Not everybody wants to play pro, but if you want to go from just D3 to D2, then these small things need to need to happen. So anybody listening, that's that's all I would say. And that's what I did growing up. Worked on the foundation during the week. I would go after school and then on the weekend, then I would play my five on fives. And I continually worked on all of the things that I was weak at. If I was weak at, at left hand, then for a full month, I only had my gun in my left hand. When I was at the house, when I would go to bed, my gun going to the bathroom, brushing my teeth, brush my teeth with my right, my gun would be in my left hand. I did everything with my gun that allowed it without going to school with it, without doing anything else. But if I was allowed to bring my gun somewhere, it came with me. And if my if my left hand was weak that weekend, the next week, it was in my left hand. If it was weak in my right it was in my right hand, and I would work on those things. There's things that you can do at your house that you don't even need to go to your local field. You can get sit in a chair like we're doing right now, get a mirror, and you can snapshoot in the mirror. Like there's so many things that you can be doing. If you play video games, do it between games, right? When you die, you're waiting on your friends. Get your gun, snapshoot, snapshoot, snapshoot. Get game gets spawned. Put your mouse or your keyboard, your controller. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do in life, right? If you're working from home. Right, Zoom meeting, you got your camera off. There's a million different ways. Like a lot of these people are like, oh, I don't have the time. I don't that small things. Like small things. Like uh one of the things that I haven't told a lot of people about, I I do I've said it sometimes on a podcast, but I haven't said it too many times. When I was growing up, I had an Oliver Lang Dynasty jersey that I had on my ceiling. Had it on my ceiling. So every night that I went to bed, I had the same ritual. And the same ritual was right before I went to sleep, I'd look at Oliver's jersey and I'd said, I'm going to be better than you. You get give yourself a reason to work hard. 
are just, if you just go out there and you go, oh, I want to work on my foundation, you need to create goals for yourself. And once you can do that, you figure out where you're headed, what you want to do. It'll be a lot easier and it'll make the road a lot easier for you. Definitely. Make it more fun too. Yeah. And if you're only going ever going out there just doing five on fives, like if you think about it, like the average player will play like Sundays, they'll get one case of paint and they'll go play five on fives for the most yep. part, which if you think about how much paint is in a case, you know, each bag is about, you know, three pods and change. So you're getting about, let's say 12, 13 pods and a hopper throughout. And if you're only playing five on fives, like you're getting anywhere between, let's say like three and maybe seven or eight reps. If you're a front player that doesn't shoot that much paint throughout the whole day. Mm-hmm. And that's 2000 rounds. Like if you do snapshots with that case of paint, that's 2000 reps. If you're doing yeah. laning drills with that case of paint, you know, that's like, you know, several hundred reps that you can go through just shooting lanes, uh, things like that. So like, how many reps are you going to create for yourself? Are you going to do like five, six, seven reps? Or are you going to do several hundred? Are you going to do several thousand? Like it's very, very simple to see like five E fives. Yeah. There, there is a lot to learn as far as the nuance of playing with your team and all of that. But like, if you want to get better individually, like that's, that's the quickest way to create a lot of reps. Yeah. If you, if you want, if you want a motivation or you want, uh, to learn a practice regimen, don't even look at anyone in, in paintball, look, go and watch on YouTube, go and watch Kobe motivational videos and how he practiced, how much he practiced and what his practice regimen looked like. It, it's absolutely insane. And there's a reason why he is the goat and why he is the best to, to ever do it. I mean, obviously next to, to Michael Jordan, in my opinion, but Kobe is is right up with him and his name and his legacy because of what he did that everyone else wasn't doing. Like, they just weren't doing it. So if you want motivation, you want to understand how to practice correctly, go watch a, go watch a Kobe video. Because I could sit here and I can talk about all the different things that you can do for, for hours. We could be here till, you know, midnight my time. But it, it all at the end of the day, it all is up to you and what you want to do. I can send you to a million different motivation videos. I can tell you what needs to be done, but then if you don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. It just then it then it just falls on deaf ears, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, looking at the chat real quick, we have a question. Another question from Nima Razavi. Uh, he asks, uh, can you tell us about the uh, historic match uh, between the Russians and Dynasty uh, 2011 PSP Chicago when you hung the flag with uh, two seconds left on the clock and live bodies on the field? Just kind of tell um, us about that moment, I guess. To be, to be honest, um, I, I can't tell you because it was more of like a – it was more of like a everything just kind of happened so fast and I just did it. There was no time to process. It was all just spark the spark of the moment. Um, I can tell you what it felt like to win that because it, that winning the point just got us to the overtime. 
But then we had to go, it even got even crazier when it came down to a one-on-one where then Malloy bunkered Spitz, Stephen Pitts, in that to then secure the victory. So yeah, I, I hung the flag with you know no seconds or one second left to bring us into overtime, but that that was there was still more to play after that. So that honestly, it's it's probably the biggest moment of my career. It was probably the biggest moment for almost everybody on that team. Even and we won World Cups before. You know, we I won two World Cups previous to that, and like. World Cups and paintball are they're the biggest thing that you can win. But that that match is the most memorable for me because of everything that happened, who we were playing against. Like my best my best friend in paintball, who is also on my team right now, Alex Goldman, he was the guy on the other side in the snake. Right. And we had an incredible battle. Like you just watched that battle alone. The battle on the snake side was was very fun to watch just because of who, who the two players were and what they became today. Right. So it, it that whole all the players on that team um and what we accomplished that event was <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever I'll ever reach <laughs> that high again. I don't. I, I'm. I've been chasing it forever. I don't think I'll ever, ever reach that that high from that tournament ever again for what we accomplished. It was. In, it was incredible. I hope that answers your question. It's a very difficult one because it's very loaded. Right. No, I think. Uh, I think that covers it pretty well there. Ah. Uh, so this next question is brought to us by Why I Paintball. So your brother, Brandon, also briefly played professionally in 2018 for AC Dallas. And uh, your father, Steve, has been a huge finger in the sport for many years. So paintball has obviously been like a part of always been a part of your life. But how was it like being born into it and like pretty much raised by the game? Um, I mean, uh, like I said before, I didn't like it, even though I was at the events, you know, because my dad he was he was a single single dad so we had to go everywhere with him you know we can't have a babysitter all every weekend um so i had to go to a lot of the events where me and my brother did and we were hanging out getting dirty putting paint in pods smushing paint and um playing in the dirt but we just didn't we didn't like it very much and my brother was this was the same way even when i was playing all the time he didn't really get into it because when I was 13, 14, he would have been nine and 10. So he's kind of around the same age where I hated it too, because I didn't want to get shot. Um, so we were both kind of like iffy about it. He was a little bit more iffy than I was around that age, but he wanted to just be around, you know, us because we were always at the house. We we're always talking about it. And, you know, as little brothers do, they always want to do what the, the big brother does. So he got into it a lot earlier than I did. And we just kind of became a paintball family after that. Like it was, that was all we did. Right. I mean, we obviously I played other sports throughout school, but it's all we talked about on the weekends. It's all we did. You know, we would go during the week. Like that was, it was everything for us. Right. Because not only is a paintball family, all of our friends who played paintball were also our very close friends locally. So 
when we were together, eating dinners, ordering pizzas, playing Halo, playing games. That's all we talked about. It's all we did. So it was always on the on the mind. Um, and so it, it's 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 easy to get involved as a as a sibling, as a as a son. It's very easy to to get involved and stay involved when everybody around you is constantly playing it, talking about it, and that's all we wanted to do. And that's all we were happy to do, right? Mm-hmm. There was nothing we didn't want to go to any bounce houses or anything. We wanted to go out there and and shoot the old guys. We wanted to go out and shoot because we were kids, right? We wanted to go out there and show all the, the the adults that we were better than them, and we were cocky sons of bitches. We were so cocky at that age too, because we were better than everybody else at the local at the local level. Like no one could beat us. We were undefeated for like three years in the three mans. Like nobody could beat us. So it was like I said when you when you have everybody around you doing it it's it's all you want to think about it's all you want to talk about it's all you want to do because you don't want to feel left out right when your whole family's doing it when your best friends are doing it when their siblings are doing it so like he has a friend like kevin rudolph who plays on infamous mm-hmm. me and him grew up together like he was the one that i was talking about we went to the store after school we would hang out talk paintball and then we would go play on the weekends his younger brother was best friends with my younger brother who also played paintball. So they grew up together playing paintball. We grew up together playing paintball. And everyone around us was just, it was just the same thing. We just had such a tight knit group of like eight, nine, 10. And then I think it even got up to like 16 or 17 of us, like all kids all around the same age between the ages of like 11 and like 16, 17, 18, just always going out there parents showing up when everybody is supporting and everyone's around we have that community it's very easy to keep coming back very easy for sure and uh yeah that's why that's why it's important to keep that kind of community going exactly exactly right. uh this next question is from the chat from lock Ree, which is uh one of my teammates patrick rayborn uh he asks uh what direction do you think paintball should move towards as far as like the on the field? So fast and exciting, slow and methodical. And how do you think that it should be achieved either through a format change or a bunker set uh, or layout changes? And he also says, uh, you know, shout out to the show for having his favorite pro on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. To answer your question, I think some of what we talked about, I answered that a little bit, but I'll Mm -hmm. just briefly briefly talk about that um right now it's slow and methodical and it's been that way for a long time and it's progressively getting worse some may say it's getting better because if you're being more methodical more slow then you're playing at a higher level but i think it's worse for viewership it's worse for the sport so i would like to see some sort of change um and i'm not saying that it needs to be fast right? You need to have both. You need to have, there needs to be balance with like with anything. But when it's constantly the same thing, every single time, every single event, um, and that's all you're teaching at practice. Like at a, at a, at a high level, at the professional level, every single team is going to the practice and going, how do we slow the field down? Because 
if you look at every team that has won in the past, let's just call it five years. It's been more than that, but in the past five years, everybody has won playing the slow, methodical team game. So every pro team is going to practice. How do we break this field down? How do we play it slow? How do we play it methodical? And, and then they build from there. So every team is teaching that, that, that same thing, how to, how to replicate that. And um, obviously right now, damage is doing it better than anybody else. But in terms of the format change, um, that is not, I have ideas and we talked about that before the show. I don't want to say it publicly because it's something that I would li actually like to talk about with the owners of the league to try to implement a format that, that uh, I helped, you know, talk about and create. Um, so I am not going to say that here, but I think that there is ways that we can, we can change it, change the format we're trying, like we talked about before, they're trying a new format at cup. So we'll see how that goes. And maybe after that, you know, talk about the format that we've been trying to put together. Um, and I, I think that there's many ways that we can, we can make it better. And we have to just, uh, with management, we have to try to figure out how to do that. Because I think everyone wants paintball to be bigger, mm. but it's, it's been too long that we haven't changed it. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think that a change do, does need to happen. And I think that we, everybody collectively needs to help to, to, to make those changes. Okay. Cool. So in your opinion, you think it's more on the format side rather than like the field bunker set? Yeah, because the no matter what layout that they come out with, no matter how creative it is, e even the last event, right? The last event that that layout came out and everyone was like, oh my God, it's the best layout ever. And then we saw matches that were 1-0, X-Factor Impact. We saw 1-0, right? Like... I mean, come on, and and they were cheering when TJ shot his gun two times. He put two two paintballs out because no one else was shooting, and they cheered because he shot his gun. Like in my mind, like that's just embarrassing, right? That's not the way paintball is supposed to be played in, in my head, right? And I guarantee you, everybody watching that on the webcast and live, people who were even playing it are going, "Man, this is really boring." It's really boring. No one wants to see paintball played that way. Nobody does, right? So it doesn't matter what layout they come out with, how creative it is, because the way that the format is, we, as pro players, will find every way to slow the field down. doesn't matter how creative they make it. We will slow it down, and come Sunday, it, it, it will be... It'll be just slow. It'll be two one games, three two games. The most you'll see is maybe four, four points. So it's just it's just the way the game is right now, and it it needs to be changed. In my opinion, it needs to be changed. All righty. Uh, this next question is brought to us by FU Athletics. So throughout your entire career, do you have a single favorite moment? Um. Yeah. It was, I guess it would be the one that we just talked about. Uh, my single favorite moment would be that Chicago 2011 um, just because of what we accomplished and in the, in the way that it was accomplished, I would say that would be my favorite moment. If I, it, it, 
besides that, if you say, okay, well, besides the Chicago, I guess it would be just any World Cup win. Mm. Just because of the, the gruesomeness of World Cup, uh, how many days it is and how it's laid out, because World Cup is, is more days, right? Right. Uh, and I'm assuming it's the same for, for everybody. Like, we add on an extra day. Mm. So we're there an extra day. We're away. Everybody's away from their family. So it's a little bit just more gruesome. And the longer, longer days you're out there trying to watch more games, put more research down, trying to learn these teams ins and outs. So it's just a longer, longer experience. So by the end of it comes Sunday when you're there and you, and you accomplish your goal and you win, it's just, it's a feeling unlike any other uh, one that is impossible to explain to anyone who hasn't won world cup. So it's, it's one of those that's because of what it is, because of how much it, it's hyped up um, when you do win that win cup, it's just an incredible experience. So I would say any, any world cup win you could pick one of them and it would be up there uh, in, in the top, achievements or one of my favorites. All righty. Uh, so moving kind of to the present. Uh, so this year AC diesel made a lot of really big roster moves. So they picked up you mouse, Kyle Spica, Shane, Howe, Nico Hyde, a rod, and then more recently, Jesse Stevens. Mm -hmm. So, uh, things haven't quite clicked yet for y'all uh in your opinion do you think it's just part of the process especially when you have this many new bodies or do you what do you think are some of the challenges that you guys still have to overcome so most people with a question like this would be a little bit reserved in the way that they answer it mm -hmm. because you know they don't want to step on toes or hurt anybody's feelings but i will answer it as honestly as i can um I think that we're having a problem with um, sustainability currently, and I mean that within the program. Um, we've had a lot of different changes. <clears throat> I mean, you just said a, a million different names there, right? Like right. There's seven, seven different names alone that are adding a program. So it's practically a brand new team. You know, they have their core guys, but it's practically a brand new team. Then, <coughs> excuse me. Then throw in our coaching. We went from uh, Greg Pauly to the second event, not having Greg Pauly, to then now I was coaching and playing and calling lines, to then we went to Mike Kinman. And then um, we had problems with Mike Kinman where players didn't feel like they were given opportunities or whatever it was. And then now we don't have Mike Kinman and now we have, I think Mark's going to try to coach. So that's kind of up in the air. We have no, there's been no sustainability. There's been none of that. So it's been very hard when you're trying to create chemistry within a team, within a roster. If you don't create stability with that chemistry, it's impossible to build. Right, because no matter how hardworking everybody is in terms of trying to to build trust, because with any team, any relationship, right, any relationship in life, you need to build trust. And if you don't have trust in either the organization, in the players next to you, then that trust gets broken down, and then you can then 
in paintball, that trust turns into you trying to do it by yourself. You trying to do too much, whatever that looks like, right? And that that that's a big problem um, when you're trying to build a team. So when you don't have stability and you have constant changes um, circling the team, it's hard to create that stability. It's hard to create that chemistry. And though some guys on the team would disagree with what I'm saying, I have been on a lot of teams that have won, been a lot of, on a lot of successful teams. So I know what it takes to build a championship team. So when you don't have those things, you're constantly changing things around and shuffling and you're playing musical chairs, mm. right? If you watch musical, musical chairs, shit is disorganized, right? There's nothing to it. So right now we're, we're playing musical chairs in the team and we don't have that stability. So it's very tough to, to create that. Um, so just from my honest standpoint, like that's what we're trying to go through. That is the struggle, uh, to, to kind of replicate, you know, that and, and, and to continue to build on that. But until we have some sort of stability, it's going to be very, very hard to, to push forward because right now the team kind of takes one step forward and that step is very, a very healthy step, right? We take mm. one very healthy step forward. And then we take two or three steps back that are just absolutely crush the soul of the team in that moment on everything that we build. So like in one event, we'll build everything up together. We, we create this in, intense environment. We build on chemistry. And just when we think we're starting to click it together, something falls apart right or we lose a piece here i get hurt right injuries things things like that we haven't we haven't had that like i haven't even been able to play the the, the last event and now i'm playing on practically one leg i'm going to play world cup but i'm nowhere near healthy right so like we haven't we haven't had that so it, it's been very tough um is it part of the process absolutely absolutely have we created more issues for ourselves? Yeah, well, I think so. Well, we also see that in uh, like college and professional sports all the time where you've got these huge teams that are like, you know, major blue bloods and they are going through rough periods where maybe they're hiring, like making a bunch of different hirings and firings within a very short time span and expecting it to be like a win now situation where you just yep. hire, you make like one or maybe multiple changes and say like, Oh, you know, these guys were all successful in their own right from wherever they came from. Why isn't that success immediately transferring over here? And it, it just takes time. It does. It, it is a, it is a process, but the team and it's, it's not anybody's fault specifically. It's just the organization right now is struggling with stability um, in terms of like, you can't have success if you can't even keep the same coach on, on the field or in the pits for a whole year, right? That, that right there is already going to create problems, especially when the coach does so much in, in paintball. Um, 
it, it it just it's very 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 tough especially when the the players are trying to do it and they're trying to play like a player should play right players mm-hmm. play coaches coach and when players are trying to do both um it just convolutes it and makes it extremely difficult to ev- for everyone to get on the same page Definitely. so that's that's the struggle right now that's our struggle but I have no doubt that we won't be able to push through that and uh, try to create some stability in a healthy environment for everybody to that we have some success. So that's the that's the goal. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you already in that you touched a little bit on uh, Mike Hinman's departure and a little bit as to why that happened. So what is Diesel's system going to look like heading into Cup? Well, if, I, I mean, uh, if, if it's a known thing yet, I guess. Or well, I to be honest, to be honest, I I don't know. I really don't know. I know that Mark said that he is going to try to coach and play. So as it stands right now, that's what it looks like. Could that change on a dime? It seems that way, right? So. You know that, and that's the the stability that I was talking about, and and it's and this is in no way to, um, like point fingers within the organization or mm. or at the team. This is more of just to to get out so people understand or relate to it at, at their their level, right? Because this is not just a a pro only thing, right? This happens at every level, and I'm sure at one point or another, some people somewhere at any level can relate to kind of the struggles that we're dealing with, whether it's, you know, a coaching thing or a stability thing, or, you know, for, for some teams, it can be funding that we all kind of deal with the struggle and it's, um, it's a matter of holding it together, holding strong for everybody else. And that's what we need to do as an organization to get past these obstacles. Right. So, um, for us, it's no matter what happens or what that looks like or what our pit looks like, as a player, I am in a, and as a leader, I am going to continue to go out there and do and play my hundred percent and do everything that I can to make sure that the team is successful, no matter what that looks like. So I'm going into Cup with an idea of this can turn on a dime at any point. So there can't be frustration. There can't be any yelling in the pits because that's what's going to literally tear the whole thing down. Mm. Right. So right now, when when we were talking about fundamentals right now, we need to build a stable foundation, right? Just in the team, right? In the team organization, the players, we need to come together as a unit, build that foundation so that we can then layer these bricks by bricks and hopefully get some success at cup. And then go into next year with more of that stability, with a better foundation and a better understanding of what our short and long-term goals look like. Um, and I'm sure everybody can relate to that, not just in a paintball level, but maybe in their life, in their relationship. So it's, it's just more of an idea of what what our struggles are, what my struggles are, and not, uh, well, I'm trying to get... Uh, or talk bad or talk negatively about the team. It, it has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. It's more of um, 
just an open, honest conversation about the struggles of, of a pro player and a pro team. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously diesel has gone through a lot of change and us in Texas, we're rooting for y'all and hope that, uh, y'all can find some success and, uh, especially on the field, getting more wins, getting more Sunday appearances. Cause, uh, you know, we, we all know that, or at least right now we all think that Texas is like where it's at in paintball right now. So, uh, yeah. for the Texas teams to be representing well is what we're all rooting for. Well, we have the talent to do it, man. I'll tell you that right now. There's a lot of talent on the team and the team is very capable of it. Very, very capable of it. Um, so it's not a matter of talent or a matter of, you know, these guys can't get it done or these guys aren't good enough. Not, it's none of that. We just need to fine tune it, figure out how we as a team can push past that and continue to keep pushing. So it's just something that we have to find as a team and hopefully we can bring success back to Texas where you guys can uh, be happy, be happy for, for your pro teams down there. For sure. All right. So this next question is brought to us by Hydra. So uh, the layout just dropped a few hours ago. I know we just kind of talked about how the layout doesn't really matter and how eventually it's all going to slow down. But uh, have you gotten a chance to look over it? How do you think it's going to play? What do you think of it? Um, I mean, it, at this point, it's a broken record. I, right. I did get to I did get to look at it, um, but I doing this for so long, I know exactly how it's going to, I used to like on Wednesday would take the layout and, and in no way am I saying be like me in terms of, of, of looking at a, at a layout. But the way that I, that I look at the layouts now, I'll take a quick look at it and go, Oh, okay. This and this and this, but you don't really know until you get there. Mm. So I'll take a quick look, kind of have some ideas of what my first few points will look like. Um, but other, but other than that, I already know how the field is going to play just by looking at it and what it looks like. I think that there might be a lot of uh, bounce shots on the snake side. I think we're going to see a, a lot of that, just the way that it's set up. It might be a slow snake side. And when the snake side is slow, the whole field is slow. So that if that happens, right, in, in my, from just looking at it if the snake side is slow we're going to see a lot a lot a lot of slow games and a lot of low scoring points a lot of low scoring matches i mean so let's hope that's not the case but at the end of the day let's let's be realists it's going to slow down mm -hmm. and it's going to be a, it's going to be a slow field but um we'll see what happens i don't really until like we have a we have a drill day on friday that's when I'll sit there. Like I, I sit out there on the field and I sit behind the back center and I break really, really break the field down. So it's not until the first day that I'm like actually doing the work. I'll look at it briefly, but don't, don't be me because I used to really break down the field envision what that would look like so that I had more ideas going into the, uh, into the, the practice layout. But I've been doing it so long, I know exactly what I need, what makes me successful. So do as I, do as I say, not as I do <laughs> for the for the layouts. All right. Yeah. So uh, 
now kind of looking ahead, obviously the next 12 or so days, it's all, all focus, all eyes on world cup. Uh, so I know you talked a little bit about, uh, this, like kind of your status with your injury, but how are you feeling heading into the event? And then after that, what is uh, next year looking like for you? Um, look, when me and, when me and mouse, even not at my hundred percent, when me and mouse are on the field, I'm, I'm always, I'm always, uh, eager. And I always believe that we have a chance of winning any tournament. Um, and that's not to take away anything from any other guys. It's just, we have been playing at a high level for so long. We've won a lot of tournaments. He is practically known as the best in his role. I'm practically known as the best in my role. So when you have those guys just on the field, it in my head, I already have the confidence of going, okay, yeah, we can do this. Right. So, it, it, like I said, we have the talent. Every event that I've played with AC Diesel so far, I've always been confident going into the event. We haven't had the success that we've wanted. Um, but like I said, it's it to me, it's more a stability thing rather than a talent thing. Um, so I'm always confident going into the event with the players that we have. And I'm, uh, I have that same confidence going into Cup. Um, we just need to to work hard. We're staying through the whole time, so we're we're going to Orlando. We're practicing damage, but we're doing a drill day <clears throat> on Friday. I think we're going to do drills on Monday as well. Then we have the expedition, uh, the those matches mm. on uh, Wednesday, and then the tournament starts Thursday. So we we have a lot of grinding uh, the next few days, in the next week and a half. Um, but like I said, even going into the practice. I have a lot of confidence in the talent that we have. I just hope that we can find that same uh, confidence in in the organization and the, the coaching. I I just hope that we can have that same where it's just like from top to bottom, we're all on the same page. Because right now that we've just had where the players have been at that page, and then the coaches, and we just can't seem to push together. Just like one's up here, and then one fall down, and then that causes you know. The players will fall down or the coach will be up here. And then it's, it's, it, it's just been a, a constant battle be, within the team that we need to find where we can just make it work. So um, like I said, confidence is high. Everybody is very excited, obviously with, with world cup just around the corner. So we all, the second that the layout came out, everyone in the group chat was just mm -hmm. typing and really trying to break it down and, and, and talk about it. So it, it's already an exciting time for every, for every team at every level, everyone understands what world cup means. So, but like I said, we're confident going in. We just have to get the job done. Absolutely. And then, uh, after world cup, what's next for you? What's, uh, what's next season looking like so far? Um, so that I can't say too much. I mean, obviously mm. we, and, Mouse and Kyle already agreed that we are staying. I mean, um, so that's what it'll look like for us. I don't know if we are going to continue to try to make pickups. We haven't really talked about it yet. We want to get through World Cup and then see what that looks like. So I guess after Cup, we'll probably see more of a lot of the moves and all, a lot of the offseason moves that we have all come to love and all the exciting news. But as it stands right now, 
um, we will we'll be staying with AC Diesel and we'll try to continue to build that roster and uh, try to create a championship team uh, for that program. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, so this uh, next question is uh, coming from the chat, which is from Brandon Ortega. Uh, he says uh, that uh, your dad, Steve, did a lot of work, especially within the Texas scene, like AXBLs, USXBLs. Uh, so did y'all live in Texas at that time or like how, how was that period of time for y'all? Um, so we, okay, so we grew up in Texas. Um, during that time that well, my dad was like super big in, into the, the Texas scene. So he was doing all the Texas stuff before what you guys know the Texas stuff is. And he was even doing national events. He did Mardi Gras. So he's been running like, tournaments for a long time. So he has, a, he, and he's had a lot of success with that. But during that whole USXBL thing, we were not, we were not living there, but we did grow up there. So he, it was easy for him because he's very familiar with the area, the fields, and he understands what Texas paintball needs because we grew up around it. But when he was doing all of that, we were living in Virginia mm. and then he continued to do that through, through Florida. And then he, and then he sold the league, um, recently, but we, like I said, we grew up there. So he had an, he had an understanding of what Texas paintball, because Texas paintball is very different than every, all the other, uh, like fields in, in different States and, and what they need, right. Where, even though Texas is very spread out, mm -hmm. right? Where you guys drive very like long distances to, you know, get to, to, to any major city or whatever, whatever that looks like. Right. Texas paintball is very tight knit, very tight knit. Um, whereas most other fields, and obviously you guys have your rivalries or the field rivalries where most people don't allow you to go to another field like, oh, you know, you can't go play that tournament at that other local field. Otherwise, I'm not going to give you your your discount on your paint. I want you to only be playing here. Hmm. Whereas it's not really like that so much in, in Texas. Like, well, no, we we are all in cahoots together. We want a, our tournament to be here. And then uh, then that field's going to have a tournament and this field's going to have a tournament. And then we'll, we, we all get a piece. Right. And, and everybody is happy about that. Players, fields, sponsors, no matter what it is, everybody's happy at the end of the day in Texas paintball. And that's why it's so big. That's why it's so big. And that's why you see come webcast Sundays, <laughs> the, the first and second place teams are always Texas and not always, but most of the time they're Texas teams. Mm hmm. Right. And why is that? Well, because Texas, their formula is, is, is proving to be as it stands right now, the best formula to create that community that we were talking about before that is so important in paintball because of that. And then even at the events, Texas teams are supporting Texas teams, even if they're from a rival rival team, it's just, that's the community that you guys have created. And that my dad helped create with the U S the U S XPL. Like, Texas paintball is it's it's some of the best that we've seen be, because of that. So you guys are you guys need to just continue what you're doing down there. You guys are doing everything right because Texas uh, Texas paintball is not the same 
where it is everybody else. Like I said, a local field will tell their teams to not go play at a tournament at another field. Like that shit happens all the time in different states. So be very happy with what you guys have down there and grateful because a lot of other, (laughs) a lot of other, it's very cutthroat in other, in other states, very, very cutthroat where they won't let you play anywhere else. And that blows my mind that that's the case in other states. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, I want my team to go smash and grab all the cash at their field. And that way it's like, hey, the best come play at my field. And then more like you get kind of word of mouth that way. Yeah. Or you or or what will happen is you'll just have each field have their own local tournaments. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they don't transfer over instead of saying, hey, let's come together. I'll do a tournament my field in January. You do a tournament your field in March. And then even if it's two fields, you just go back and forth. Hey, it's here, here, and here, and here. And then they just, they don't do that. They'll go, oh, well, I'll do my own league. I'll do my own league. It, it, I'm telling you, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's very cutthroat in, a, in, a, in other states. That's crazy. Well, definitely uh, don't imagine playing anywhere else anywhere else other than texas especially with that knowledge so it's why you guys have the best players the best teams it's why you guys are always there on sunday it's Mm -hmm. a community you guys have created yep i mean looking at kind of the series standings now in the nxl i mean semi-pro obviously fits four for four which is Mm -hmm. unheard of and they could possibly clean sweep the whole season i don't i don't know if it's ever been done in division one but i i would guess not yeah i would guess not either I, i don't think it has been then uh, Division Two, first place is Shut Up or Trying, also out of paintball fit. Uh, yep. Division Four, Jackpot sitting in second place, they're out of X Factor. Uh, Division Five, you got a four way tie. Two of those four teams are Houston Zone, D5, and Tribe Powerhouse, who's also out of paintball fit. So it's like yep. insane. All right. So uh, this next question is uh, brought to us by Get That Shot. Message him on Facebook or Instagram if you're needing media coverage at NXL World Cup. So, Justin, this is one that I ask everybody that comes on the show, kind of get the word out on maybe some up-and-comers or some not very well-known individuals. So is there anybody within the paintball scene? It could be teams, individual players, brands, media guys, projects that have caught your attention lately. Uh, Who do you think deserves more recognition for what they're doing? Um, So, okay, so I guess I guess for well paintball fit as just in general i mean we could talk about texas paintball mm-hmm. we and we have the reason why they're doing so well because the community they have created but i would say one of the biggest front runners for that community would be paintball fit um just the you know the, the mech x ball that they do the, the the events that they run how they treat their their player base it's it's bar none, right? Compared to any other field that, that I've been to, they do such an incredible job of making you feel like your family there. Like they, they really do. They make you feel like you belong, you know, cause it, it no matter where you're from or, or, or what high school you go to or your job, not everybody fits in everywhere, but paintball fit does it such a good job of making everybody feel like they belong there. Like they they can be a, a part of it. And I think that's why, you know, you were just talking about it. Most of those teams that even in Texas, like you had one from Houston zone, you know, X factor paintball, but the most of those teams are from paintball fit. Like you're coming out of one 
field. They're coming out of one field. So it's like, if you, if you want to give recognition to anybody, it's what they're doing, JD and, and his wife and what they're doing there at paintball fit is just incredible for the sport. And I, and I think that more fields should do that because uh, we talked about it before, right? Mm-hmm. At every level, it takes everybody, right? Not just the players, but that whole community just there. Forget about all of Texas paintball, but just that community alone at paintball fit does such a good job of making you feel like you belong, like you welcome, like you're a part of something. And that's very hard to achieve. It's, it's, it's a lot easier said than done, but they have achieved that there and they continue to grow the sport there. And not enough fields do that. Um, shit, not, a, not, not enough sponsors do that. Right. So it, and it takes everybody to continue to build right now for tournament paintball, the small community that we have. Um, and it, it takes everybody to, to try to continue to build that up. And they, in my opinion, are the front runners of that. And they do such, such a good job. Every time I go there, I get excited to, to talk to everybody and be a part of it. Like they have young kids there. They have all kinds of girls and women that are out there that are playing. And I've been to a lot of fields in my day, a lot of fields. Rarely do you see at a tournament level, you go to a field and you see kids playing like 13 and 14, small kids playing adults of people of all ages and, and girls and women out there playing. You just don't see that at any other field except, except there, except there. Like you just don't see it. So it's, it's really, really awesome. Every time I go out there, I get excited. I get happy because you have it all out there. They have it all. And, 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 and it's amazing to see. So the, it, I would give them recognition and I, and I'm just so happy for what they are doing and what they're accomplishing at all levels. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, JD and Sarah Lukow are both like excellent people for the job. And Mm -hmm. just the fact, like I started playing paintball, like tournament paintball in 2015, which is around when Paintball Fit opened. And they were just that one front field on uh, the Mad Dogs lot where you kind of like drive by. Now I think they have like hyperball stuff on there. But like I've started playing and witnessed them like building that field brick by brick up to what it is now. And very easily they could have built all that. And then they said, and then could have done like their own, like hostile takeover of Texas paintball. Mm-hmm. Whereas instead they're doing so much to like continue to grow the sport and the community, not just within their local area, but throughout the state of Texas. I mean, hell they sponsor this show through both Hydra and XTPL. Yeah. And like, it's incredible what, they've been able to accomplish, but it's even more special what they've been able to give back. Yeah. No, it, it, it really is. And, um, I mean, that's the reason it's the first thing that came to my mind when you, you asked the question, because like I said, I've been to a lot of fields around the world, right. Uh, And they just do it better than anybody. They're doing it better than anybody else. Like if you're a paintball field and you want to learn how to, how to uh, grow your field and make it better, go check out Paintball Fit. Go check them out because they're doing everything that they're doing everything right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm actually going to get uh, JD on this show the week of Thanksgiving. So uh, yeah, be on the lookout for that one when that comes. 
So uh, that's that just about does it for our show. This final question is brought to us by Compete, which is Jell Stewart's brand. Uh, message him on Facebook or Instagram. Mention In the Pits for 10% off of your order of soft goods. So Justin, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute blast to have you on the show. Do you have any last shout outs or things you'd like to say before we sign off? Uh, I mean, obviously, shout outs to our sponsors. Um, Lux, Shocker, GI Sports, Empire Paintball, that are Halo Loaders, Powerhouse. Um, if I missed anything else, which I don't think that I that I did. I compete Hydra. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean just my sponsors and then to I guess my last thing would be um to any divisionals, anybody who wants to play at a high level, remember it starts with your foundation, starts with your fundamentals. So start there, grow those first perfect them and then continue continue to build all right well uh definitely some strong words to go by there so uh justin thank you for your time and everybody tuning in thank you so much for tuning in be sure to go follow justin at jrab9 on instagram Uh, so what other guests would you all like to see on the show be sure to leave a comment down below while you're at it hit that subscribe button the show goes live weekly here on youtube.com slash at in the pits paintball podcast and recordings are posted to YouTube, Amazon, Apple podcasts, and Spotify the next day, uh, except for this week, because we're doing two this week to make up for not, uh, not being able to do a live show while we're at cup. So, so yeah, so shout out to my partner and sponsor to your subscribers on Patreon, FU athletics, get that shot, paintball, Kumite, compete, Bem rap, skull monkeys, paintball, Hydra, XCPL events, YI paintball, Mariachi Aguilas de Oro and Pod Runners Union. So we will see you guys tomorrow. So instead of just skipping next week, we're going to do two this week to make up for it. So we will see you guys tomorrow at 4 p.m. Central Time for episode 73. We're going to have JC Lamon. Uh, he is the owner and operator of Uno's Jerky, who uh, he makes his own beef jerky and uh, is inspired. Like each of his flavors are di- uh, the names of different Texas paintball teams. So oh, yeah, cool. he's got, he's got his, uh, own story there and he's going to be a vendor at, uh, NXL world cup for the first time ever. So we're going to get his, uh, story on tomorrow night. So we will see you all then. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me.